the team. Second Samuel chapter 11. Second Samuel chapter 11. I have preached on these verses before. In fact, uh, the first section of my notes really come from a message that I've preached here before. Because I just felt that it's important, and when you look at it and at the text, well, one preacher said, if it's not worth preaching, if it's not worth preaching once, if it's not worth preaching twice, if it's not worth preaching once, so <laughs> don't bother preaching. Let's all stand for the reading of the word, Second Samuel 11. So this first part really comes from a message that I had preached before. In fact. Praise the Lord for word. You can cut and paste. I, I cut and pasted the whole first part of this. But this second part of it is, uh, is something that the Lord is really emphasizing to me in my prayer life and for us in our church. Second Samuel 11, look at verse 1. Are you ready? I'm reading from the New International Version. In this springtime, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab with the king's men and the whole Israelite army, they destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabah. But David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed, walked around on the roof of his palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, She is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to her. She came to him, and he slept with her. Now she was purifying herself from her monthly uncleanness. Then when she went back home, the woman had conceived and sent word to David, I am pregnant. Go down to verse 14 of the same chapter. In the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it with Uriah. In the letter he wrote, Put Uriah out in front where the fighting is fiercest, then withdraw from him so he'll be struck down and die. So while Joab had the city under siege, he put Uriah at the place where he knew the strongest defenders were. When the men of the city came out and fought against Joab, some of the men of David's army fell. Moreover, Uriah the Hittite died. Go to chapter 12. Find verse 11. This is what the Lord says. Out of your own household, I'm going to bring calamity on you before your very eyes. I will take your wives and give them to one who is close to you. and He will sleep with your wives in broad daylight. You did it in secret, but I will do this thing in broad daylight before all Israel. Verse 13 and the final verse for tonight. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, The Lord has taken away your sin. You're not going to die. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this sobering word of encouragement. I pray it releases strength through all that hear. Release revelation, God, to us in the midst of this time as we're gathered here with your presence, your people, the assembly, the the ecclesia of God gathered together before you. Speak to us. May we never be the same. Change us. Encourage us. Strengthen us. Rebuke us if necessary. All for the glory of God that we might be more like you. Changed. 
for the purpose of even making you precious in the earth. We thank and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We live in a polluted world. I mean, there's no doubt. I've got a pop-up blocker on my internet browser. And uh, just the other night, we had somebody stopped in to visit us. And they went to a website that they we don't really usually go to. It was a weather website. I mean, you know, harmless. And up pops this, Christian, this dating thing. Not a Christian dating thing. There's enough of those. But it was just this dating thing, you know. And girls and pictures and I actually didn't see it uh, the guy said don't you have a, a window a pop-up blocker and I do have a pop-up blocker in fact I double-checked it after that and you think well how'd that get through I don't know I don't know understand all that stuff but I do know one thing for sure we live in a place that is polluted and you are going to constantly be uh, faced with things that could potentially trip you up potentially mess you up the very thing that happened to David could happen to you. And if you think it can happen to you, you've already fallen over into pride. Everybody's able to be picked off. All of us. So how can we protect our lives from the onslaught of the, 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 the assignment of the enemy? David was a great warrior for God, but we read this huge sin. I mean, this is massive. In fact, you can read through Scripture, and it says, David was the only one called the sweet psalmist of Israel, except for the fact that he fell with Bathsheba. He had a heart after David. The Scriptures throughout Old Testament will say he had a heart after God, except for the fact that he sinned with Bathsheba. It's this mark that he gets on his his record, but even in this we see the grace of God. And he lusts over another man's wife. If you really study this out, I believe that David had his eye on her or was enticed by her beauty for a long time. The the uh, it, it makes reference to whose daughter she was, and if you trace that out, it, it seems that that man was a part of his counsel. It could very well be that he saw her grow up. I think he had I think he had some thoughts about her prior to the fact that he before he saw her on his rooftop that that day. So he he calls her he commits adultery and her pregnancy causes him to have her husband come, one of his mighty men. What a what a big sin. Calls one of his mighty men, one of his brothers, man, one of his buddies. Anybody ever been backstabbed by somebody who's near and dear to you? Yeah, check this out. This guy comes. He's his best friend, basically. I mean, that's how it is. Sleeps with his wife. She gets pregnant. He invites her back. I mean, we didn't read the whole text, but he, he, he gets him drunk, basically. Sends him back to his wife. Why? So he would sleep with her so that the pregnancy would look like his instead of the king's, and his sin would be hidden. But this guy, Uriah, is such a mighty man of God that he sleeps outside and says, I can't go inside when my men are at battle. What a man of honor. And so David realizes that, and he gives him his own death sentence in a note, which he hand-carries his own death sentence to Joab, the commander. And the sentence is basically, you let Uriah get, go into battle, back off and leave him there so he gets killed. And that's what happens. And David really commits murder. And his, his sin is exposed. God exposes his sins to the prophet Nathan. I mean, the, I, the prophet Nathan, awesome. Just awesome. Thou art the man. Wow, what a intense drama. 
real life story that plays out. And you have to know that the king could have said, Oh, I'm the man, and you're the dead one. Where's my sword? Chop! That'd be the end of him. Yeah, and the story would go on and, and we, we wouldn't know maybe. But God knows. David's heart somehow had grace and he repented. But David's sin had consequences. God was demeaned. You see that in verse 14. Personal judgment comes. His, his son would die. The, the baby that's born of Bathsheba dies. And family judgment, a curse, would be upon his children. And we see this play out in the history of the life of David. You might think, oh, just I've sinned and God's forgiven me. Oh, yeah, you've sinned, God's forgiven you if you've repented, absolutely. But I've got some news, my brothers and sisters. Just because you've repented, you still might have to deal with the consequences. I've been dealing with the consequences of my, my failures for 20-something years. I've told you, you know, I, before I got saved, I had a pre- previous marriage. I got saved. I got delivered. I tried to put things back together. It didn't work out. I, by the grace of God, the Lord gave me this precious jewel, my wife, and we've moved on in life. But guess what? Two kids. I still don't get to see them. They still hate me. They still hate me. We're talking 20 years. I've prayed. Every time of fasting and prayer that, that I do, I'm always bringing them before the Lord. No breakthrough yet in the natural, but it's coming. But those are consequences that I had to pay for for my own failure. You know, just because you, you're forgiven doesn't mean that you don't have consequences. Praise God for where He washes over and, and makes consequences less. David gets a curse on his children. And Ammon, David's oldest son, rapes his half-sister. My goodness. David's daughter, an Absalom's sister named Tamar. You can read this. Absalom murders Ammon. Absalom overthrows David's throne and commits adultery with David's wife, basically, right in, right in open, just like the prophet Nathan said would happen. And Absalom is killed in the war. They regain David's throne. Solomon, he's a picture of generational sin. Solomon, the son of peace, he... Rules after David. He builds the temple. David provides for it. But Solomon had a major lust problem. A thousand wives. One thousand wives. His kingdom is split. Eventually, not in his lifetime for the sake of David, but in the generations to come. Rehoboam, Jeroboam, the kingdom is split because of his own lust. This all comes as a result of David's failure and sin with Bathsheba. Wow. It goes multi-generational. It goes viral. I mean, it's terrifying. Scary. How'd that happen? How is it that a man after God's own heart can wipe out? How is it that a woman after God's own heart can be deceived and wiped out? Listen, I've lived long enough and been in ministry long enough to see that what you see with your natural eyes, not always what's going on underneath. And there are people that you know today that are more on fire and you wish you'd be like them. They will be in the weeds and in sin years from now. God forbid, but that's the truth. I've lived long enough to see it. I know one thing. Not me, so help me, God. No. My wife will help me. I'm going to institute some of the principles. I institute the principles that I'm about to teach you. Because I don't want to fall. 
I want to finish the race. I want to finish what we have started. Whether it be with thousands of other people or just a small band or just me and my little family, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Going to finish the race. Everybody say, I'm going to finish. I'm not, I'm not going to fail. Say it. So help me God. Absolutely. How did this happen? Well, first of all, I think it was a demonic trap. I mean, what are the chances this woman's bathing right when he goes out? You know, I, I think it was a setup from the enemy. Goes outside, looks outside this porch right at the right time. Sometimes the enemy sets up traps where you can be offended and discouraged because you don't see any fruit in your ministry. That's where that message Sunday night. That's where that message Sunday night. I'm going to tell you, Sunday night might not... You know, I... I've heard somebody say, well, that was the best message you ever preached at times. I don't know if it was the best message I ever preached or how eloquent it was, but I will tell you the content of what I preached Sunday night is probably the best message I've ever preached. Why? Because if you don't get that, you're going to get messed up. And you'll be disillusioned and and live in pain. And some of you guys are like, well, what was it? I'm going to tell you. I'll tell you what it is. Many people live to have success. They want to have success. Now, success is oftentimes defined as uh, for Christians by a worldly humanistic viewpoint, which is this. Success is money. Success is fame. Success is fortune. Success is impact. Uh, success is how, how much influence you have. Success is oftentimes how good you look or what you drive. Success is many times those things. Let me just say for ministry, success is oftentimes pastors view themselves as ter- how large your church is. How many missions trips they did. How much comes in in the offerings. How successful they are at planting churches. And we can get absolutely off track with God if you're setting up yourself to think that success is viewed on how many people you've touched. Success is viewed on how much money you have or don't have or how much education you have or don't have. Success is not defined by God with any of those things. And the sooner you can shift your channel, change your lens, change your viewpoint on that, the, the, the more peace you'll have. We talked about what real success is. Real success is very simply and plainly from Matthew 25, verse 21, I believe. It says, when you come before the throne, you hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have to align yourself with that day. There will come a day that you will... Ne- it's an appointment you cannot be late for. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. You will be there, you'll be on time, and you'll be by yourself. And when you stand before God's throne, He's going to look at you and you're going to have to give an account for your life. And I'm going to tell you right now, He's going to either say, well done, good and faithful servant, or He's going to go... What happened? And you're going to either suffer loss or receive rewards. This is scripture, people. Suffer loss or receive rewards? Yes. In heaven. You'll, you'll stay in heaven, but there are some that will suffer loss but still be in heaven. And some that will be, receive rewards, which I think is closer proximity to the, to the actual throne of God. Closer proximity to Jesus. I mean, I, I, mean, I don't even have a grid or a framework for trying to figure out what that is. I don't know about you. I'm just thinking, what does that mean exactly? Different levels in heaven. He's not going to ask you whether you made a lot of money. He's going to ask you, were you faithful? Were you good? Did you have, were you good motives? Were your motives pure? Did you, did you keep your heart? Did you enlarge your heart for God and His presence? Did you seek to be like Him? 
in business dealings and with people and in relationships? Did you turn the other cheek? Did you die to yourself? Did you pick up your cross? Did you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? Did you or did you not? That, that's what you'll be judged. Were you good? Did you love, your, did you love neighbor as yourself? Did you, love, did you do the first commandment? Well done, good. Faithful. Were you faithful with the talents that you got? Many people are twisted in their minds because they don't, they, they don't preach like somebody else. I, mean, I use that because yeah, I always wanted to be this great preacher. And I would watch T.D. Jakes and these guys that just like, man, they're like Jesus in shoe leather or something. Give me a break. Kind of just breaks down one little text. Jesus wept and makes me stand up and cry and get saved all over again. I'm just going, man, how did that guy do that? You know, it's just amazing. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, as somebody who's a communicator and a preacher, I long to be used by God to see God's people touched. And frankly, part of that has been in the past because of my identity rooted in wanting to be successful as a preacher. And it has nothing to do with me being like anybody else. It has everything to do whether my heart is aligned with God and whether I'm being faithful with the gifts that God gives me. You know, praise God for the mind that I have, but I know people that are brilliant. And I've looked at them and said, man, I don't have that. Who are the people that are photographic memory? Man, I'd like pray in tongues and try to remember your all names. Jesus, help me photographic memory. But I'll not be judged on whether I have a photographic memory. I'll be judged based upon the physical capacities that God gave me. I'll be judged upon the mental capacities that God gave me. And what I did with them. Well done, good, being good, pure, loving God all your heart, loving your neighbor as yourself, faithful. I'm, I'm, I'm off. I'm, I'm, I'm off on a rabbit trail, but it's a good one. Amen. Faithful. Are you faithful? Do you work hard? Are you diligent? Or are you lazy? Most people are lazy, and they hope that oh, one day it works out. Get your, get out of bed, read your Bible, pray fast, get a hold of things, stop putting up with the nonsense in your head, change things for yourself. Quit looking for somebody to give you a handout. Be faithful. Well done, good and faithful servant. Be humble. Serve the greatest among you is the servant of all. God wants all of us to move into our own greatness, but it is a side. From ministry impact, world impact, influence, money, fame, fortune, it's aside from the way you look or don't look, it's aside from all of that stuff. And there are people that will have huge ministries or massive businesses that do not hear, well done, good and faithful servant, because they did not do what God called them to do. There will be people that are in business that God wanted them to be in ministry. People in ministry that God wanted them to be in business. There's people that will be teachers, but God wanted them to be a plumber. Do you understand? You've got to do what, there's a divine assignment. I just preached myself encouraged right there. There's a demonic trap to get discouraged. And you can get discouraged and overwhelmed in ministry and end up falling into a trap like David did. David should have been somewhere, and it wasn't at home. We're going to get there, which is the next point. i got to say this. God wants to deliver you from inferior pleasure and introduce you to superior pleasure, which comes from the throne. It comes from the epicenter of God's of pleasure was created by God. Listen to me, there's a mess up all the religious stuff you got going in your head. Pleasure, pleasure, pleasure has been invented by the Lord. He is the author of joy, the author of pleasure. The enemy takes it and perverts it. So when you try to please yourself with something outside of him, that's called an idol. 
So understand and know that all of that stuff is inferior. There is superior pleasure that comes from the throne room. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And when you do, you'll never go back. You will never go back to that stuff like a dog to vomit. Many of us have gone back. But I will tell you that once you begin to behold who He is, everything changes for you. How did all this happen for David? I think it was a demonic trap. But secondly, not doing what he was supposed to do. What? Not doing what he was supposed to do. It, it says in the first part of, of, of 2 Samuel 11, it says, In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab, blah, blah, blah. But David remained in Jerusalem. So when the kings go off to war, that's the time it is. But, it says but. Everybody say but. But. But David stayed in Jerusalem. The, 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 the essence of that is David didn't go off to war like he usually did. He got fat and sassy and lazy and whatever. He didn't go. He sent somebody else. You start delegating to somebody else what you're supposed to do. That's the beginning of your fall, ladies and gentlemen. So he didn't do what he was supposed to do. You know, no one seeks to remove darkness from a room by opening a window and throwing out buckets of darkness. How do you remove darkness? You turn the light on. When you don't do what you're supposed to do, you're dwelling in darkness. You've got to live holy. You've got to pray. You've got to pray. You've got to fast. You've got to read the Word. There's divine appointments God has for you in your quiet time that you never have. Oh, that's so good. You want me to say it again? I know you maybe didn't catch it. There are divine appointments, release of angelic visitation that God has for you during the quiet time that most of you never have. Okay. All right. God's created us, you know, for longing. God's created us for, for pleasure, being fascinated, being awestruck by Him. I think I'm starting to get it a little bit, maybe. Philippians 3.8, I count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ. The secular entertainment industry has gotten the wow factor big time. They captured, they captured the hearts of, of this generation with, with exciting Action flicks. I love action movies. I, I mean, I, I, I do. My wife calls me an action figure, actually. <laughs> and it's something like that, right? Yeah, I'm a, a, an action figure hero, which is, which is great. Sort of. But that whole wow factor, the entertainment industry has captured that your heart longs. To see the things that happen at the throne. Your heart longs to, to know the excellencies of Christ and to be to see the fire and the power of the Holy Spirit flow through you to, to see the real action. And when that doesn't happen and we don't live lives on the cutting edge of faith, and it just becomes ho-hum and you get bored, then you'll begin to be seduced by Hollywood. I mean, it's frequently, frequently what's happening. A spiritually bored believer is a weak one. 
If you're bored in your Christian walk, you are a weak Christian. That's what happens to a bored believer. And when you get weak, the enemy will set traps and pick you off. If your walk with Jesus is boring, you've got to ask yourself, what's missing? What happened? Where am I? You need to examine yourself. If this is just ho-hum, you fall asleep every time you read the Word. I, I, I said this earlier. I used to fall asleep all the time. I'd open the Word. I could be filled with, with energy and read the Word and just like... I'd just be like, fall asleep. And I, I think I started realizing that I might have a spirit of slumber. So I overcame that with the spirit of Starbucks. Got delivered. started realizing I had strongholds that were holding me back from reading truth. I didn't like it. And, you know, it started bothering me. I prayed. I had people lay hands on me. Really, there was a spirit of slumber. There's a spirit of slumber come upon you. If you read the Word, you fall asleep, instantaneously open the Word. I won't have you raise your hand because there's a few people that actually have that going on right now. You open the Word, and the moment you do, it's just like, man, oh. Yeah, because if the enemy can lull you to sleep, you'll never get the revelation that God is trying to give to you from the Word of God that will actually change you. Oh, let me give you a couple principles. These are I didn't put in your notes, but if if you've got to do what you what you've been called to do, not doing what he was supposed to do, cause him to fall into a demonic trap. These are just some simple principles in my life that I've learned that 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 help me, and I believe they'll help you. The knowing principle. Everybody say the knowing principle. Romans 6.11. You've got to know who you are in Christ. If you don't know who you are in Christ, then you'll settle for anything. You'll look for, you'll look for, uh, for a pat on the back. You'll look for the, the accolades of man. If you're not settled in who you are in God, you, will, you have an identity crisis, and you're setting yourself up for failure. You've got to know who you are. You must know who you are. The biggest thing I see is an epidemic in this younger generation is they're totally clueless about who they are, their giftings, their callings. And so as a result, they're, they're, they, they, they wear their clothes and look for, look for somebody to, to you know, accept them. Look, they're always looking for acceptance, always looking for that. And really, it's got to come from God. It's got to come from the Word. And if it doesn't, then they'll be pull, like a pull toy. You know what a pull toy is? Those little toys a little three-year-old has, and he pulls it, and the, and the little wings go around, and it goes quack, 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 and he just he pulls around, quack, 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 quack. If you don't know who you are, you'll be one of those little quack, quack pull toys. Philemon, verse 6. Don't hear that every day. Your faith will become effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you for Christ's sake. You, you have to have a knowing. You've got to know God. You've got to know the Word. You have to know who you are. You have to know where you're going. You've got to have vision. You have to have knowing. What are you doing? What are you doing with your life? Where are you going? I don't know. Well, get on track. How do you do that? I, I will tell you for me, I didn't even have tracks. I showed up and got a part of a vision, plugged in, and then all of a sudden I got some tracks and got some vision of my own. Just because you, if you don't have vision, that, there's no shame in that. Be a part of a vision that's bigger than you. 
Get plugged in. Be a part of the local church. Be a part of what's happening here. Come, be a part of the day and night, night and day prayer movement that's taking place. Come on, plug into a life group. Plug into a ministry. You can sing. Come to worship practice. Home Slice will teach you. My dear brother, the anointed minstrel. Reverend Pisoni, he will teach you how to sing. Plug you in. You say, well, we got enough singers. No, we don't. We need multiple worship teams. To, to, go, to go day and night prayer, to go day and night, to have it run effectively, you need 300 people. We did the math already. Approximately 300. That's a pretty big crowd. That's about the, a little bit smaller than the size of the church right now. That would be everybody involved, full-time, everybody. That's what they do. Wow, how's that going to happen? I don't know, praise the Lord. But there's a principle. I've got a small idea. But there's a principle of knowing, the knowing principle. What do you say, the knowing principle? The resisting principle. You've got to resist the devil. Resist the devil and he will flee. You've got to resist. The day you're done resisting is probably the day that you're dead. You will always have to resist. If your flesh, you're always going to have to deal with it. Always. Now, I've learned that the, 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 more I, the more I rule over that and attempt to, by the grace of God, through prayer and through abiding in Christ, live from my spirit, then my flesh gets weaker and weaker. But the minute I begin to eat, I say to eat because that's what it is for me. I start eating chocolate bars. I start eating stuff. I like food. Oh, and before I know it, this giant monster, ah, the flesh just comes out. One of the revelations I had on an extended fast, towards the end was the Lord said, your flesh is bigger than you think. Forty-day water fast, towards the end, the Lord says, your flesh is bigger than you think. I'm like, I know. I want to eat food. Your flesh is strong. And you have to resist your flesh. You have to resist the, the desire to want to just fly off the hook and rip somebody. You have to resist that. If you yield to anger, you know, I used to yield to anger. I had, if you have problems, I had all of those. I had all the problems, I think. Just about, maybe. I think I didn't have a few, praise the Lord. I think there was a couple I didn't have, but then, then again, it might be deceived. So, I used to have an anger problem. Okay, I, I memorized scriptures like... The fool gives full vent to his wrath. And every time I'd just be like, what? The fool, fool, you're a fool. I don't want to be a fool. Jesus, help me. And the Word of God would just come out and just help you overcome your anger. Like the city without walls. The man who lacks self-control is like a city without walls. Do you know what a wall would do in a city? It would protect the city from marauders. It would protect. It, would, it brought security. It brought strength. It was, it was essential in ancient life. Today it's still essential. You've got to have walls about your life. There are certain things that can come in and certain things that can't. I ain't watching rated R movies. I don't watch them. Why? Because invariably, there's a scene of all this, the bomb action in the rated R movies. 
But invariably, there's a seed like, oh, snap. And you're like, fast forward or something. Why didn't I get that curse blocker, you know? I don't watch rated R movies because I'm just not going to do that. I'm going to try to see what John saw, a sea of glass. I'm going to endeavor to press in. So you're going to have to resist your flesh all your life. If you're going to finish the race, you're going to have to know who you are. You're going to, you've got to know the Word. You've got to have vision. Second principle is you've got to, the resisting principle. You have to resist your flesh. 1 Peter 2.11, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. The third principle is you become what you behold. To the degree that you encounter God. Oh, listen to what I say now. To the, to the degree that you encounter God and His heart in a, in a real experiential way, we're changed to be like Him. I'm going to give you scripture for it. To the degree that you experience God's power, who He is is to the degree that your heart will be changed to be made more like Him. You're thinking, Pastor, at that standard, I'm not sure if I've gotten changed at all. Well, you have, but there's more. There's more. Don't settle for the, for the walk that you now have. Be, have godly dissatisfaction. There's nothing wrong with it. That's a good thing. It's good to be godly dissatisfied to hunger and thirst. He'll touch you. I've said it a million times. He'll touch you in direct proportion to the hunger that you have. When you encounter God experientially, I mean in your mind through studying the Word, I'm talking about encounters in the Spirit, feeling His presence, worshiping Him, even having visions, dreams, maybe even an angelic encounter. It happened throughout the Scriptures, New Testament and Old. You tell me it doesn't happen now? It does happen now for those who will press in and even those who are maybe not even ready for that. I mean, God can just surprise any one of us, even tonight. Maybe any minute now. You simply behold the person of God, what He feels, what He thinks. And have an active dialogue with Him. It just begins to change you. 2 Corinthians 3.18 But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. What image? The one you're beholding in the glory. When you behold His glory, you get changed. When you see something of the throne, it changes you. When you see something of the, of, of the character and the nature of Almighty God, that which is in you, which is not the character and nature of God, shrieks and runs, and you come out of that encounter going, Woo! And you get changed. Are you hearing me? We need encounters with God. What you are looking at is what you will become. So some of you might be a porn star next week because that's what you've been looking at. Look at the person on the right and left and say, Praise the Lord, I'm so glad we came to church. Go ahead. (laughs) 
God forbid. But the truth is, what you're looking at is what you're going to become. What you gaze at will bring transformation. Which way are you transforming? Are you thinking about money? You want to know what your God is? It's what you think about most of the time. I am preaching better than your amen. And what you think about most of the time, that is the God you're serving. So if you're constantly thinking about the dollar, constantly thinking about money, constantly thinking about that, then poof, you're going to turn into a 50 cent piece. If you're constantly thinking about women or constantly thinking about when, constantly thinking about lust, then you're just going to become that. That's what you're going to become, uh, uh, you know, filled with lust. If you're constantly looking for the, the applaud or constantly looking for acceptance, you'll hunger for that. You'll think about it. You'll look, it'll move you. It'll motivate you. Even in ministry, there are pastors and preachers, men and women, that are driven by crowds and driven by, by people loving them and their preaching and all of that. And it's nothing but idolatry before God. How do you know? Because I've had some of those issues too. I told you I had all those issues. Amen. Jesus, help me. Thank God. I've been broken free from that. You don't have to... That success thing. It's a bunch of bunk. It's a lie. It's, 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 it's bait from Satan. Don't fall for it. You will become what you behold. Be transformed. 1 John 3, 2. Great scripture. Underline it in the Bible. If you don't have a Bible, you can underline. You should put that one up on the showcase. And get one that you can underline in. First John three two. We know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Wow. I think another version says, "As he is, so we are in this world." Listen to that now. As he is, how is he? How do you see Jesus right now? Is he still on the cross? There are some denominations just just see him crucified. He just died. He died. Oh, he died. Thank God he died. Oh. Well, he's not dead now. You know, he, he's, not, he's not the slain lamb now. He's got eyes, a flame of fire. Hair as white as wool. And he's bad. Ooh, he's God in all his glory and all his splendor. Jesus, the Messiah, will split the earth and, and, and destroy all his enemies. He's not crucified now. He's the King of Kings. That's who my Jesus is. He's the Lord of Lords. That's who my Jesus is. He's not some, you know, poor guy that hung on a cross. Yeah, he was that. Slain. Yes, the lamb. But he's coming back like a lion. He ain't coming back like a lamb. The lamb, Isaiah 53, first advent, the lamb is done. The lion's coming. And when you view Revelation, you've got to view him as a ter- as, in terms of the lion. The victorious one. And when you behold him like that, whenever the devil shows up, pop in Jesus' name, you better go. There's a different authority that you have. 
When you realize that God's for you, so who can be against you? You realize what He did on the cross, His death, His resurrection, and the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is available for us who believe. That same Spirit, the same Spirit, the very same one, lives inside of me so that when the enemy might come against me, I can rise up and just take His head off. Come on, there's a different authority as He is, so we are. What you behold is what you will become. How do you see God tonight? How do you see Him tonight? Some of you might not even believe that He exists. You see Him as like a little pansy. Walking around speaking Elizabethan English. Jesus is not a pansy. He's defeated hell, death, and the grave. And what you behold, you'll become. Say it with me. What I behold, I will become. Say it again. What I behold, I will become. Say it again. What I behold, I will become. What are you beholding? David beheld this beautiful woman, got enticed, and he became that very thing, became adultery, committed it, did it. Careful, gentlemen, what you look at, especially men. Women, you've got to be careful what your heart listens to. It's a little bit different. If you look too long, you're on a hook real strong, Bubba. Well, hallelujah. Do you know that text where I, I've preached it before and I, I've, I've got to hurry? Sort of. I'm good. Ten of nine. It's all right. All right. Just a few more minutes. We'll be done. Do you know that text of Scripture where... Um, the parents of Moses. It's, in fact, they're, they're honored in the hall of faith in Hebrews 11, but it's also, I think it's Exodus 1 or Exodus 2. It says, when they saw that Moses was a beautiful child, they hid him three months. The, the, the study of when they saw he was a beautiful child, you look at that, as, the, the picture is not that it was just a beautiful baby. I know everybody thinks babies are beautiful. I have personally seen some that, well, praise the Lord. You know, I mean, they're all, they're all beautiful in God's sight. Amen. There wasn't the principle like, this is my baby and the baby's beautiful because it's my baby. Okay, that, that's not what it's talking about. What it's saying is when they looked at this particular child, the text says in the, in the, in the Hebrew, they, they saw something of the city. What city could that be? I will tell you, it is not Manhattan. And it sure ain't L.A. It's not Chicago. Ain't Philly. Something of the city. The ultimate city. Talking about the city the heavenly Jerusalem is something of heaven. When they looked at the baby, they saw this was no ordinary baby. But they saw something of the city. And they said, you might have to kill us, but you cannot have this. When you see something of God, when you behold Him, experience Him, His heart, His passion, His zeal, his emotions, His beauty. When you become to get fascinated by God, when you behold Him and the fascination that, that captured John, a sea of glass, emerald sardius, it changes you. And you are then willing, you then have 
released into your spirit supernatural courage and strength to do what God called you to do. Because you've seen something. You've be- what you behold, you'll become. And when you behold the city, you'll become like the master. You, when you behold him, you'll become like him. When you behold the lion, you'll become like a lion. You'll be bold. How do I behold? We'll talk about that in another message. In fact, what we'll do when we return, I felt like the Lord spoke to this to me, is that we'll begin to give you some tools by which you can have encounters with God like you've never had before. About meditation, how to meditate on the Word, and how to pray, and how to abide uh, with the Holy Spirit. And we're going to do a whole series on, uh, on, I think we'll call it prayer tools, is what we'll call it. Prayer tools. How to, how to, how to pray. Some, 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 some of us, you know, you, you can't spend any more time than like 15 minutes. At 15 minutes, you like run out. That's it. Teach you how to pray in tongues and sing in tongues, sing in the Spirit, meditate on the Word, how to, how to, how to journal and, and spend time. You know, it's all prayer, how to, how to do all of that. We'll teach you how to do that because you will become what you behold. What you behold, you will become. All right. Let's look uh, somewhere here in the notes. Thank God I've got numbers. Praise the Lord. We all have moments that will be tested, but if you can institute these principles, you'll pass the test. No temptation has seized you except that which is common to man. God will make a way of escape, says the Scripture. I just couldn't help myself. Yes, you could. You didn't. You didn't take the escape route. You didn't take the escape hatch. It's really clear. It says right on it, escape. (laughs) Pull the cord. Eject. Run. Run if necessary. Oh, look at E. Not being in the place he was to be. He was in a place of comfort instead of a place of faith and a place of war. If you're not stretching, you can lose your edge. If you're not pushing and challenging yourself, you can actually end up apathetic. We sin because we believe that God will provide some superior pleasure that, that He won't provide if we obey. Oh, that's really good. I'm going to say that again. People sin because they believe that through that sin, that will bring them the pleasure or the satisfaction or their desire. And when they obey, God won't. And it's a lie from hell. I will tell you that when you obey, and the other side of the test of the challenge, as you walk in obedience, will come a victory. Come on. After every test comes Elam. After, after, the, after the mirror of the bitterness of life, as they came out of Egypt, they came to the place of bitter waters. They're three days without water in the book of Exodus. Three days without water. They see the water. Oh, God's finally saved us. They get there, and it's poison. They can't drink it. God shows Moses a piece of wood. He throws it in. God heals the waters. And then they move on to a place of Elam. Elam. Seventy palm trees. Twelve springs. The other side of your test is a place of great breakthrough. 
Don't believe the lie. Don't believe that you're going to actually get what you really are missing. I mean, that's the whole lie from the Garden of Eden. That's where it comes from. Oh, eat the, eat the fruit. It wasn't an apple. We have no idea what it was. But eat, eat the fruit. Eat the fruit and you'll be like God. What? Slap yourself. You're already made in His image. Eve, what are you thinking? Oh, I'll be like God. Oh, The enemy tries to entice you with stuff that God's already going to give you. He tries to get you to take a shortcut when he tempted Jesus in the wilderness. He tempted him in the wilderness to take a shortcut to the cross. You can miss the cross. All this stuff is yours. One little key. Just bow down and worship me. Ha! Get away from me, Satan. For I'll have no other gods before me. I'm going to worship the Lord God, thy God only, you know. Satan's attempt to tempt Jesus was a temptation to get all the victory of the cross by not going through the cross. You do it God's way, you get God's results. There are no shortcuts in the kingdom, friend, brother, sister. If it's, if, you know, you ever heard that, if, you know, that, what is it, get rich quick scheme? Yeah, it's a lie. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work. Very rarely. Very rarely. Is there, is there a way just to instantaneous growth in God? No. Instantaneous wealth. No. Take care of your little 50 cents and God will give you 51. Take care of your 51 cents. God will give you 55. Take care of your 55 cents and you might end up with a dollar. You be faithful with that for a while and then God might slam dunk you and bring a watershed moment. That happens. But not until you're shown faithful. And if it happens outside of that, I'll tell you that money didn't come from God. You listen to me. It didn't come from God. If you don't have the character to sustain it, and all of a sudden you come into all of this wealth, you'll just get nuked. So do you think the Lord actually would do that to you? No. Do you think money is the answer to all my problems? No, it isn't. Intimacy with God is the answer to all your problems. All right, got to hurry up. Oh, let me give you some scripture and we'll close. Michael, would you come and make heaven come out of the, the keyboard, please? We sin because we believe that it'll provide pleasure that'll take place for us that's outside of obedience. You obey God. He brings the desired result. He's training you to rule and reign for a thousand years. He's not training you, training you so that you can just have a nice life for this 70 that you're on the earth. It's only 70-something years you're here. You're a vapor passing through. Suck it up. Get a hold of yourself. Pardon me. I, re- I retract that. I take that, that statement back. Get a hold of yourself. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You pansy, you. The title of tonight's message is Stay Engaged. Stay Engaged. What do you mean by that? You have got to stay in the battle. And you have to stay engaged. And there's all kinds of things that just want you to pull you off. But you just got to stay engaged. We spent more time in prayer uh, just a few weeks ago in Kansas City than we've ever spent in our entire life. Now, I noticed something. I noticed that you can disengage but be in a place of prayer. What do you mean? There's a place of intense focus and desire. I, I think that's the one accord of the upper room. It's an intense focus of, 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 of pressing, God, I want to know you. God, show me your glory. Lord, I want to know you. 
pull this other stuff out of me. God, I want to see you. Lord, I want to behold the emerald sardius. I want to see your throne. Seraphim, cherubim. I want to hear the voices and the songs that come before your throne. I want to stand on a sea of glass. God, show me. Lord, like Moses cried out, I cry out, show me your glory. Lord, don't leave me this way. And you stay in the place of intensity until that happens. Now, I felt the anointing on that for a second. Because that is our heart's desire. That is what I want. Why? I don't know. He just, he's hooked me. I'm hooked. It's not to have a big church. I frankly don't care anymore. I really don't. I want to see people saved. We're going to reach the lost. We're going to do all of that. The outcome is totally up to you. Because my identity is not going to be in that. The interesting thing I've found is the more I focus on that, the bigger this thing grows. Kind of amazing. I've tried to make the church grow a hundred times harder than I have right now. I mean, we're being diligent, but it's mostly in seeking God and pressing into the kingdom. And the church is growing faster than I did when I drove around spending hundreds of dollars of gas, knocking on doors and visiting people. And we're still going to do that too. We're just going to be in His presence first. Then we'll do that. Oh. Let's all stand up on our feet. Come on. Not being a place he was supposed to be. I will tell you where you need to spend large amounts of time. It'll transform your life. He said, well, I don't have time for that. Frankly, sir, you don't have time not to. What do you mean? I don't even think it has to take a lot of time. It's quality time. It's focused time. How many of you know you go to pray, you go to spend time with God? And it should be like, oh man, I need to call my mother. And then, uh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I went up the, the iron. Did I turn the iron off? Oh, it's got the automatic thing, so we're good. Lord, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. I'm hungry. Man, I'm back here. Man, thank God. I love you, Lord. I knew I should have gone to the bathroom before I got in prayer. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you. Ow. Ow. Bring, bring, bring. Oh, I love you, Lord. Ow. What? Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Anyway, that's like people's hour of prayer is that. Turn this off. I should listen to my own advice. <laughs> Focus. Stay engaged in life. Some of you need to cut off some relationships that you have. They're like Bathsheba and you're looking at it. It might be adulterous, but then again, it might be an unequally yoked situation where you're hanging out with a girlfriend who knows nothing but gossip and backbite, doesn't give a flip about serving God, doesn't care about aligning their hearts with being good and faithful servants, doesn't care about any of that, cares more about whether, you know, I'm not even going to say that, hallelujah. Come on, some of you need to cut some of that stuff off, men. Hanging out with guys that they're no good for.
for you. Get some friends in the kingdom. Minister to those people, but don't spend most of your time with them in the name of ministry and then get defiled and wonder why you're all tormented and your house is filled with strife because you haven't gone to the throne room. You've hung out with Mr. Bud Dummer, right? There's a couple cold ones on a Friday. God knows my heart. Bless God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm just going to have a couple, you know. But it's not a sin as long as I don't get drunk. You're permanently drunk on your flesh. Need to put it down. There's better things for you. There's better things for me. There's better things for us. Don't get picked off like David did. Stay engaged. Stay engaged. Ah. Stay engaged. Amen. Lift your hands to the Lord. Even as I was talking about throne room things and, and encounters, there's people's hearts who began to beat more intensely. There is a, a release and a grace that God is giving even tonight. For those who say yes, to come up higher. To come away with me, my beloved, says the Lord. Come away with me, my beloved, my beloved. Come away with me, my beloved, my beloved. Come away. Come away with me, come away with me, my beloved, my beloved, says the Lord. Come away with me, beloved, my beloved. Come away with me, my beloved, my beloved, says the Lord. Come away with me, my beloved. Come away, come away with me, winter's over. Come away with me, winter's gone. Come away with me, the sound of the turtle dove is heard in the land. Come away, come away with me, my my beloved, my beloved. Come on, come away with me, my beloved. Come away.
does not satisfy come away come away I hear the Lord saying it Come away. Come away. 
Lord, for myself and my family, I just say yes. That yes has got to come from the heart of individuals that choose. I choose tonight for myself. I say yes. Help me in my weakness. Help us in our weakness. Release a grace. Release strength. Illuminate our hearts. That we'd not be pulled aside by the pleasures of sin that pass and bring death. We'd be fascinated by you. We'd be fascinated by you in the throne room and who you are and what you do and why you do it. Fascinate our hearts. Fascination. Give me fascination from your throne. Fascination. Fascination. Give me fascination from the throne of God. Throne of God. Fascination. Fascination. Bring fascination from the throne of God. Throne of God. Bring fascination. Bring fascination, bring fascination from the throne of God. Capture my heart, capture my heart, God, again, and I return to serve you with all my mind, with all my soul, and all my strength, God. Bring fascination, bring us back to our first love, bring us back, God, to loving you. God, we thank you for what you've done tonight. We thank you for your grace, God, and the anointing. Lord, even an invitation, it's like a divine invitation has fallen from heaven, calling you to come up higher. So then like a voice that has spoken to you. My gosh, is there really? Is there really pleasures at his right hand forevermore? As the psalmist said, and the answer is yes, there is. Will you come and taste and see that it is good? Come and taste. Come. Push yourself. Why spend money? I woke up at, at 5.40 this morning, and as I prayed, I looked at the clock, and it said 5.55, and the Lord said Isaiah 55. And I went and I looked, and there was an, a special emphasis on Isaiah 55.5. But as I read Isaiah 55, I realized that so often we spend money on that which does not satisfy. And there's an invitation from the throne of God tonight to come and to buy gold which you don't have any money for. He'll give it to you. There's a release that'll come from God. Ho, it says, Isaiah 55, come to me, all who are thirsty. Come, why do you spend money on that which does not satisfy? Come, 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 come to me. Come to me, and I'll give you gold for fine. Come to me, I'll refine it. Come to me, says the Lord. Come. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to read this text, and then we'll close, I think. 
Come all who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread? And your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me. And eat what is good. And you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me, says the Lord. Listen that you may live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples and a ruler and a commander of the peoples. And this is what I felt was rhema for me. And I'll I'll close with this. Surely I will summon nations you know not. And nations you do not know will come running to you. Because of the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel. For He has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while He may be found. And call on Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord. And He will have mercy on them. And to our God, for He will freely pardon For the Lord says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours. And my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth, to make it bud and to flourish, so it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And you will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills were burst into song before you. And the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper. Instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be the Lord's renown for an everlasting sign that will endure forever and ever and ever. Come on, just give the Lord a hand clap of praise tonight. Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we give you praise and glory and honor. If you're here, you're not right with God, get right with Him. There's a place called hell, and that's where you go when your sins are not forgiven. He freely pardons and freely forgives if you'll repent and turn to Him tonight. I believe here in the congregation, people are saved here, I think. I believe that. If not, make a choice to live for Him. You'll never regret it. Those online, those listening by podcast perhaps, choose Jesus. Receive Him. Repent of your sin. Live for Him. The greatest days are yet ahead, church. The greatest days are yet ahead. Greater temptation and greater glory. You will not yield as David did if you behold his glory. Know who you are. Have vision. Do the right thing. Be in the right place. Serve. Be good. Faithful. Be a servant. Bless you. Take someone by the hand. We'll close tonight. Woo! Praise the Lord. Come on, pray for the person on your right, person on your left. God, thank you for what you've done. I believe seeds were planted tonight. 
I believe seeds were planted that are going to bring forth a great harvest. And they would be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. The roots go down deep. Never wither. In every season of life, as we behold you, as we press in, as we do what you've called us to do, and we don't yield to the flesh, but live in the Spirit, as we stay engaged, we will not wither. No matter what trial comes, you will give us grace. No matter persecution or famine or sword, you'll protect us and bring us through. And God, I'm asking again, That you would cause our hearts to be illuminated with the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That we would know you. That we would see what John saw. And that we would be changed. For as you are, so we are in the world. As he is, so we are in this world. You're the lion. And the righteous are as bold as a lion. Fill us with boldness and strength. Blessing and favor. All for the purpose of your kingdom. Bless your people. Cause your face, your countenance to be lifted up towards them. Keep them. Be gracious to us, God. And give us peace. In your holy name. Amen. Bless you.